evening and welcome to Mountain Bears. I'm Ace tonight, and of course, with me tonight is the techie with most of us, the top of this game. Techie Joe, how are you, darling? I'm doing well. How are you this evening? Doing well, doing well. It's quite interesting, some of the things that we get. So we're going to cover a little bit of pop culture. We're going to cover a little bit of polyamory culture. We're also covering a good bit of conspiracy news. Hey, there we go. Yeah. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. You know, it's Mountain Bears. Go on, kitty. Now, we did find a lovely place today. We did. We did. We, we, we. I think we found a bar. We did. Like, and and I don't really mean in a let's go get totally hammered every like night or every Friday night or Saturday night or whatever. Now, I don't mean like let's go get hammered bar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you could do that there, and that, that'd be fine. But more so, um, it's actually a restaurant with the bumper. Which, sure. by the way, we have, uh, I have this whole thing, like, there's a restaurant with a bar, and there's a bar with a restaurant, mm-hmm. and, like, those are two distinctly different things. There, yeah. Like, this is technically a restaurant with a bar. Now, yeah. I think more of their customer base focuses on the bar, but they actually have a full restaurant. Yeah, so. and a really good one, too. Yeah, it's not just french fries and chicken tenders and... Like no, it's like beer menu salads. Yeah, they make great salads. Like it was awesome. Wings, it was delicious. We want to give a shout out to Amanda at the Cold Spot. It was good. Yes, I had an Asian fountain beer that he likes, so that was <laughs> well. There. Well, you finally got to try it. Yeah, because you've been looking for it because you you have a barley problem. Also known as we like keeping Eason's blood sugar south of 300. And barley creates an allergic reaction that will run it well north of 300. Right. In like tiny, tiny, Mm -hmm. tiny of like, God knows. Like, uh, turns out that like thin crust pizza is a problem for you because you even have like, like two of the little crackers of pizza. Uh-huh. Um, is enough to like mm-hmm. shoot that way over the moon. Right. However, it did have one small problem. problem. <laughs> <laughs> they hired four cooks two weeks ago. They're down to one cook. Yep. Yep. They're having a cook staffing. Well, they're having a staffing issue. I don't know what their, yes. their cook retention problem is. If they're not finding good cooks, if they're not finding people that are people, or people that just maybe, like, this is all fine, well, great, and dandy until, like, we hit Friday night, and then everyone gets crazy, and service gets crazy, and people forget what they order, and then they're loud and belligerent, and remake it 14 times, kind of, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. But yeah, um, I mean, granted, our waitress had insight, and it's like they probably don't pay enough. <laughs> so, well, and yeah. you know, we've seen, we've heard this, you know, recently King Cut closed, which was a yeah. local phenomenon here. is dead. If you're yeah. uh, uh, were a fan of that in Beckley, 
today, I believe, was its actual literal last day. No, or was when, it yesterday? Tuesday. Tuesday was its last day. Yeah. So anyhow, so, and I was listening to the interview, and the guy's like, people just don't want to work. I couldn't find people to staff it, so it was time to sell it. That's what you're selling, okay? So we, if you drive through Beckley, if you drive through um, Oak Hill, I mean, our tutor still closes at 2 because they can't get an evening um, shift there. Um, one of our favorite restaurants in Flatwoods just now got an evening shift because the boyfriend got a girlfriend that was willing to work evening shift. I think basically, but, well, yeah. I don't know if it's that or if, well, like, I think that's partially it, but I think they also needed a second staff person. And right. I think they just found the second staff right. person. But um, they used to be 24 hours, but you now close at, like, 8. Yeah. However, I'm really confused by this. Now, I understand West Virginia is a, you know, and every day I'm getting job offers in my email for jobs that, yes, I qualify for, but I'm not taking. I'm quite right. sure you get hand too. Yeah, I don't pay as much attention anymore, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, like those those go to a folder and I'm just not paying attention. Cause yeah. once upon a time, like the Indeed account and the LinkedIn account mm-hmm. were like, you know, like please, please find me a new Right. And now I don't pay attention to right. what I get cool. in. Um I probably ought to. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, then you know, for 150k, for 150k, I would consider. No, 260. <laughs> 260k. 260k, and they pay us to move, or you are totally remote. One of the two. Uh-huh. Hey, that could work. But yeah. So, anywho, though. Right. Yeah, but uh, no, um. Well, and see, that's kind of the weird spot around here, mm-hmm. is that in the summer mm-hmm. is probably the worst time to try to hire and keep employees around here, right? Because there are so many seasonal businesses, right? And but- so everything's open right now for probably mm-hmm. another couple of weeks, right? Everything's open. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything's trying to be staffed. Everything's trying to function. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to have more employees than we have jobs. That's like right now, we have more jobs than employees. Right. Okay. That's debatable because some of these places, like their help wanted signs are faded. Yeah. Like, I don't even think they're trying anymore. It's like, this is just, this is what it is. And it does make it weird. It makes it really weird. Yeah. Because there are businesses that have some of the weirdest hours. Right. And it's really easy to just, like, we're not even trying to go there. And I think most other people are like, I'm not even trying to go there. Like, you you got to be in love with the place. Yeah. You got to be in love with the place. Right. Um, To be showing up because, ugh. So, you know, looking over at Yahoo Financial, the great resignation is over, and here's why. I so disagree. Like, either one of three things are happening. One, business owners are trying to put this out there that it's over. 
just so that, you know, it, hopefully they'll hold on to the people that are still staying there. Two, it's bullshit. They don't, the economists, again, don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Or three, they're not really tracking this because we've talked about this. Um, the labor market around here ain't cooling. The gig market economy isn't cooling. You know, if I go to Indeed right now, job search, and I hit remote work, there is still 129,407 jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, now see, see, here's the problem, though, is are those real Mm -hmm. positions? Because that's become the newest problem. Right. Well, not that it's actually a new problem. It's just we're now talking about the fact it's ever been a problem. Right. Which is the fact that there are employers who post jobs, Uh but they're not real jobs. Right. As in, there's a position in the company titled that. Right. And they could hire someone. Right. So, in that sense, it's a real job. Right. They're not. You know, where I figure everyone is going right now, which is flex jobs. Mm -hmm. And it's all over the place. I mean, fun remote hybrid flex jobs. You know, they've got them listed by the billions. Everything from account management jobs to environmental and green jobs to event planning jobs fashion and beauty, food and beverage. If you actually get us listed for once, please say you have astrologers listed. No. Project manager jobs, project jobs, operation jobs, nonprofit and philosophical jobs. I mean, everywhere there's jobs. So do I think that the economy is actually slowing? No. Do I think that remote work is popular? Oh, yeah. Do I think that we're going to see more of it? Yes. Is the Great Recession resignation over? No. What's no, I, I, I think there's a phase two a coming. Mm-hmm. I think there's a phase two a coming. Right. Um, because we, I, I think wave one took mm-hmm. care of some immediate problems. Right. I still don't think wave one is entirely finished personally. Right. Um, I, I think it's it's like a phase one point or you know, one A is about right. to occur. Right. Um, that's gonna happen at seasonally. Right. Right now we're ending the season and everyone thinks that the market is or that the uh, labor market is cooling. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, but you see. We're coming out of the summer season in which, you know, a lot of these places, you know, like there's a seasonal flux, right? Like, you know, we have businesses and and we're a prime example. Um, We are mostly supported by the New River Gorge Mm -hmm. um, with seasonal activities like rafting and all Mm -hmm. that. Um, and events. So we're just, just about a month out technically. Right. If if you want to like, if you want to dicker over it, like we're about two weeks from everything's going to start shutting down. 
and then, it then a full month before we get the capstone event, which is Bridge Day, and then right. literally the day after Bridge Day, it's you're going to see Tumbleweed. Well, and then you're going to and this becomes the flip. Mm-hmm. Then we the focus flips from here to Snowshoe. Right. Yeah, Snowshoe's going to start opening up, getting prepped for its winter season. Right. But again, that's not a one-to-one. Like, I don't think they absorb that much staff. Because... Be surprised. I, I think, think that they do, but they have people... You don't hear them being as short uh-huh. because they have people... It's like every, you know, every year the same team comes back. Yeah. Well, and I think that means they, they've got to be doing something right. Right. I, now, I, d- granted, I don't know anyone involved with, like, Snowshoe and any of the winners. Well, they've got 92 positions right now. Okay. That are open. Looking that to be filled. Open. Looking to be filled. Right. But, see, this is where I go back to. I don't think they're, they're absorbing the entire summer market. No, they don't. Because we have a whole... Right. Like, not only do we have, like, you know, the, the, the rafting guides and all that, then we have the service staff for all the tour companies. Right. And all the restaurants that open specifically to cater to mm-hmm. the rafters. Because, right. and, like, I'll, I'll, like, I, and I don't mean to call out a business. I think your business model is great. Don't get me wrong. Ace Adventures, however. Mm-hmm. Creates an, a, a, a bubble, yeah, in this area that is basically they they have created this whole cottage support industry mm-hmm. of to go with like you you're doing a rafting tour mm-hmm. or a kayaking tour, whatever all packages they do, um, but then the areas you're staying in they own a bunch of the restaurants and bars right and so like once you enter that area right you're mostly inside the bubble like right. whatever you do it, it's all ace adventures and then so when rafting season starts all those businesses get staffed and run and then when rafting season ends all of those businesses get shut down right and then all the river rats leave the rental markets look like they crashed, but it's actually, no, we've had the max ask to this. You can actually go and rent something. Um, oh, you can go to Walmart. You can, like, like yeah, you can find food. Yeah, but, you know, a lot of our rafters come in, the rafting guides, they rent a place, they're here for six months, and then they're gone. And, you know, Ace has even started buying up houses that they just put their raft guides in. They do, and then when they become unlivable, well, that's a whole separate story. Yeah, it's a separate story. Let's just say they're not, like, there, there's some debate right, on how necessarily they impact local uh, economy. Right. That some of it's really good. Mm-hmm. And some of it's really good just for Ace Adventures. Right. 
and then some of it is like, okay, but we're having to do things to support y'all. <laughs> yeah. That, that you're not necessarily um, uh, uh, offsetting. Um, well, I think that's true. I, 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 looking at it lately, and what I've heard in the local meetings is what they do is they buy the houses until they're unlivable, they pay the city to tear them down. And they move in campers and RVs and tiny houses and continue using the land. Well, but it seems like they don't exactly pay the city to tear it down. No, like they the let city the city come and do through. it. Well, but it's more so the city has to go through, identify the house as unlivable, condemn mm -hmm. it, run the mm -hmm. whole condemnation process... Right. Then serve them with a bill to tear it down, right. retain the property. Right. Like this isn't they're they're not actively like the city is lucky that they're getting a a decent deal to demolish right. these houses um, through their own resources. Mm -hmm. But so we're getting a better deal than Ace Adventures. Better than Ace Adventures does. Um. And then Ace Adventures is paying at cost to the city. Uh huh. It's basically a one to one. If it costs six thousand dollars for the city to knock the house down, mm -hmm. the city gets six thousand dollars for knocking the house down sure. from Ace Adventures. Right. Um, like we're not profiting; we're having to manage right. the process for them. Right. Um, versus they manage it themselves right. and that be one less problem for the city. Right. Like, I, I, I think there's some nuance there because right. that's a lot for us to tackle as a city. We're not that big. Right. Um, and, and it's, you know, the houses that they purchase that we later have to condemn. Right makes up a large number of the con uh uh the condemns that our city has right every single year it's yeah. like ace adventure properties the rest of it yeah yeah no. so it, it takes up a lot of city time it does and resources and other problematical behaviors so well, and then yeah, there's also the the joys of bringing tourism. Uh, like tourism dollars are great. Don't yeah. ever let that be said that the tourist that tourism dollars are a bad thing. We like tourism dollars; they're very nice. But but as any tourist area will tell you, when you bring in tourists, you also bring in problems. Yep. Now. We don't have Myrtle Beach level problems, but we still end up with problems out of this. You have people on vacation, probably getting a little too inebriated because you're on vacation, you drink a little more, you act up a little more, you get a little wild, um, releasing that stress. Um, that also turns into like property damage and you know inconvenience for other businesses. Right. You know and other bars so there are some benefits to the fact that they do try to keep to create a little bubble uh, for, for all of these uh visitors yes as it does diminish some of the problems being like citywide problems um yeah. so they kind of create a little bubble to kind of corral them um mm -hmm. you appreciate that 
Well, that, you know, they've got it set up to where they don't need a car, so we don't have such a DUI problem that Myrtle Beach has. Right. You know, you know we have to give them credit for where credit is due. Granted, yeah. it's, no. you know, 400 credit, but it's credit. Well, exactly, as Evan said, but you're going to get drunks doing stupid stuff. Yes. And we see that. It happens. It's yeah. again. It's nowhere near as bad as like the Myrtle Beach. Like Myrtle Beach notoriously right. has some yeah. of the worst problems. Um, like, and I'll always remember that 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 they've they've done a few different like episodes of Cops and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, and they're sitting there going, "These are vacationers. They got yeah. drunk. They're they're." They're not trying to intentionally be bad people, but they're right. away from home. No one knows them as here. Right. You know, they're they're getting into trouble and letting off steam, and it's gonna have a court date. Right. <laughs> it just it's gonna have a court date. Right. So yeah. But no. So it's not an indictment of Ace Adventures, guys. If you happen to be Ace Adventures and you're watching, like we don't hate. No, but, we actually like you for some of the stuff you do around this town, but at the same right. time, can you, like, control some people? Well, I think they do a good job corralling it as much as anyone can. These well, are still adults. They're still licensed drivers. They're still gonna, like, you're gonna, like, they can't lock them in. Like, you're gonna have a few that, that wander out. <laughs> and end up elsewhere. Well, it's not really the tourists that we normally have problems out of, in my experience. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. It's the rap guys. Oh, yeah, that gets out of... That tends to be a little more in. Like, the, the yeah. people that are technically spread out through our town. Yeah. Temporarily spread out through our town. Um, and, and do end up having more of an impact on the rest of the community. Yeah. Um, because they do choose a lot of off-site housing. Yeah. You know, like, they don't quite keep it like a, uh, cabin or a, a summer camp experience. Like, what? you don't have the raft guides all huddled together, like, you know, little camp counselors living on, you know, the camp. Um, that's not really how that works. Um, they are spread out right. um, in the surrounding communities. And so, yeah, they, be, in a sense, become part of the surrounding communities. Right. That doesn't always go as well. No, not as well at all. Uh, you know. But they do seem to be pretty good at, like, not letting it get too far out. They do. Like, they've started to. Like, I remember originally, because, you know, for a while there, I let the parents have the house, and I had a secondary home, and we would get raft guides in there every year, and it was like parties fucking central. Oh, is in the rental house next door? Yeah. Well, no, this is back when we were at the trailer park. Oh, 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 back, oh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the house next door is the same. Is the same. <laughs> was the same. Um, and I think that the only raft guide we currently have in the neighborhood is across the street. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if they stay on for the winter or not. 
Yeah, and he's not been bad. He's not been bad, but she don't put up with shit. Well, that's true. Yeah, well, because that's that's two people no. that are both renters. Like, there's a renter and then there's a subrenter. Right. There's a I sublet. believe. Yeah. 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 There's a sublet situation. Um, and no, he's been great. He's he's been super friendly. Like, <laughs> we haven't had any problems that we know of. Um, right. Like, and I don't think he's the type. Um, but you do have to watch out because the like rafting does have an, a, a kind of a uh, adrenaline junkie mm-hmm. reputation, like you know, right? Adrenaline junkies do what adrenaline junkies do, and sometimes that gets messy, right? And see, here's the thing, and the whole point of this one is, you know, do not be listening to economists if you hate your job. Go find another job. Yeah. Well, and and don't get locked into the, well, all I've ever done is work at XYZ store or restaurant or, you know, whatever job you've been stuck in. Right. Um, Look at other opportunities. Right. Like, I I mean, you know. Um, Then there's also this thing, and it's probably an important side note real quick. Um is there's 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 starting to be the uh, a interesting take on millennials killed insert thing mm-hmm. um which is basically the, the world has been telling us what we need to do to change the world which mm-hmm. is hi millennials hi my generation um, if we stop patronizing things, mm-hmm. these businesses can't survive without our dollars. That's what they've told us. Movie theaters can't survive if we don't go to movies because right. we are a large enough cohort that we turn them, you know, improfitable. The diamond right. industry is is suffering tremendously because we quit doing fucking diamonds. Not because we don't want to, because we can't afford to. Um, I still think the Mystic Topaz is more prettier, anyhow. Well, that's fair enough. Um, But no, so we've basically been told what we need to do to shake up the world and make it listen, which is quit buying shit. Mm -hmm. And suddenly these businesses have to shut the fuck up and listen. So, um, you know, consider that when you're making your purchases. Yeah. That, you know, as a class, as a cohort, mm-hmm. millennials currently have the buying power to shut down entire industry segments. We have shut down entire segments of retail mm-hmm. because we couldn't afford it. Right. Imagine what happens if we just stop doing it. Yeah. If we choose better. Well, and if we are better. Mm-hmm. You know, Gen Xers, we're already set in our ways, and it's like, fuck you. We don't give a care. We'll buy what we want, and you people can go away. We formulated the idea of, you know, and this will sound terrible, Gen Xers started the complete abandonment of companies. Oh, I think more so Gen Xers started with the idea that, you know, 
this is a game. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it, you know, loyalty isn't the winning strategy. Right. Like, loyalty doesn't get you anywhere. Right. Like, you stop giving us pensions, we stop giving you loyalty. Right. Seems pretty fair to me. Right. Um, and you're absolutely right. Gen X asserted that and went, well, if we're not getting pensions out of this, if right. I'm not, you know, fully vested after, you know, X number of years, and you're not going to pay my retirement for X decades after that, mm -hmm. oh, well. I'm going to be hopping for money yep. and benefits and better whatever. Like, the grass is always greener. Exactly. And so now we have the millennial take on that, which is, mm -hmm. let me tell you what the greener grass looks like. Right. <laughs> and if, you, if we don't get it, we will shut you down. We'll just yeah. not do that. Like, I, I will say that, you know, millennial generation, we, we're kind of at the, you know, well, if, if it's not going to positively benefit us in any way, we choose not to participate. We will take our yeah. ball and go home. Yeah. Thanks. Have a great time. It was horrible playing with you. You're right. Have fun. And then you have Gen Alpha coming up behind us. I mm -hmm. believe it's Gen or Gen Z, yeah. Gen Z, excuse me, Gen Z. Uh, Gen Z is like, burn it all to the ground. Right. Like, you think millennials were some entitled assholes? Mm -hmm. Huh. We, we have a generation coming up right behind our asses that mm -hmm. is like, burn it all to the ground. Just right. burn it to the and Gavin, I'm going to recommend you already start searching. Look for what you want, not what you, you know, that way you ain't in this. Oh, I, I, I've got to find something today. It's got to be today. I got to find a job. Oh, yeah. Don't. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you can sometimes quiet quit until then. Yep. Like, and, and I think that's the biggest thing I would go backwards and tell myself. Mm hmm. Like, if I really had the opportunity to go back in time, there's a point. Mm -hmm. About in 2006, I would love to talk to myself mm -hmm. and be like, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Pull back your effort. Right. Use that time, effort, and energy. Like, go get you a therapist to, right. to, to build you back up uh, because you've been decimated. Right. Um, and then use that time, effort, and energy you would have put into this job right. to go find a job worth the, your time, energy, right. and effort. That would have been my backwards advice. Well, you know, you may have that opportunity. Oh, goody. Did we find time travel? We found in an abandoned DeLorean. Ooh, I only have to get it up to 88 miles an hour. That's doable. Exactly. I mean, trying to find roads straight enough in West Virginia to hit 88 miles per hour. Well, you know, we went well, on and without potholes. A straight section of road that you can get up to 88 miles per hour that doesn't have potholes. Doesn't have to be straight. Preferably. Yeah, because, you know, I, I can, you know, we went down 60 and I took it at 90 miles an hour. 
6,000 gigawatts. Yep. Exactly. But Google Maps is, is uh, like, we should go, like, look into this because it's there. Setting for a few years. Yeah, it's been parked on the side of a residential street since at least November 2021. This was found on Google Maps. Right. Um, it's interesting the things that turn up on Google Maps from phantom locations and mysterious shapes to abandoned structures and even abandoned cars. In most cases, these cars are run-of-the-mill sedans, trucks, and SUVs that were discarded for various reasons. But occasionally, something unusual pops up, like this DeLorean DMC-12. Located in Mozart, West Virginia, an unincorporated community near Wheeling, the DeLorean turned up on Fisher's Lane. It sits parked off the side of the road near a utility pole and just up the street from an abandoned house. The way it sits, it's like someone parked the DeLorean and never came back for it. Oops. Oops. <laughs> God, Marty, how bad did you fuck up? Uh... <laughs> Jeez. Um, so, yeah... Oh, the interior is exposed to the outside air in all four seasons of West Virginia. Uh, but the stainless steel body of the DeLorean looks to be in good shape. It just needs to get detailing to make it look new. Um, and yet, it's still visible there. Like, they first saw it in November of, uh, what, 2020? 2020? Yeah, it's still, or 2021, November 2021. And it's still sitting there. Yeah. Let's yeah, go and see. Cool. I'm going to check the Reddit and see if it's still sitting there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, and it's, yet it's not the strangest place to abandon a vehicle, and the DeLorean is not the strangest vehicle abandoned. Over the years, we've seen a Lamborghini uh, Huracan abandoned outside Las Vegas and a Ferrari Testarossa left in Puerto Rico. There are also abandoned car dealerships, including an AMC dealership in North Carolina and a Saab dealership in France. But perhaps the strangest thing abandoned was a truck and trailer carrying a house in Louisiana after it damaged trees, mailboxes, and power lines. I'm sorry, what? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, just, I don't get how you abandon a car dealership and then everything just sets. Right. You know what I mean? Like, how do you not discharge the assets? Like, what lazy fuck took receivership and just, nah. Well, the point is taking receivership. Okay. Well, yeah, one car left behind is a thing. I can understand that. But, like, whole car dealership? Yeah. Um, but I, I want to see if we can find, like, because North Carolina is not that far away. How abandoned are we talking? Oh, that's real abandoned. Collier Motors. Wow. That is super abandoned. 
yeah, that's in Pikeville, North Carolina. Um, uh-huh. That dealership started in 1955. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, 1954 when the Nash Kelvinator Corporation purchased Hudson AMC, American Motor right. Forms Corpor- uh, Corporation. Um, and then died in 1987. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's just like a crap ton of just abandoned vehicles. Right. See, and I think there should be a process for that. All right, guys, we'll be right back. All right. Hey, everybody, Lady Gwendolyn here. And as a um, certified spiritual life coach and shadow practitioner, I have thrown together everything that I have learned to develop a program that works for healing our um, shadow self and focusing on how we're going to heal ourselves for the future. I work with different types of energy work, such as EFT, TFT, and EFT um, energy uh, Reiki access bars and power forms. I've put them all together to create my own system. It that works. Um, we also work with the tarot and the oracle. So I'm not just an energy worker and a healer. I'm a psychic as well. So you can go to Lady Gwendolyn Healing, find out all about me, and book with me on there. I love you guys, and I will see you out there. Welcome back, goblins! My name is Jason, and I am the host of the Esoteric Book Club, a podcast that examines titles on the magical, paranormal, the mysterious, and the strange. I release two episodes a month in which I review books on esoteric topics, recap news of the weird, and conduct interviews with authors, practitioners, and experiencers. The Esoteric Book Club can be found on every major podcast service or can be streamed directly from esotericbookclub.org. Hi, I'm Asa Knight. I've been working as a psychic for more than 20 years. I was born with psychic gifts at the age of three. Um, And with that, I'm able to help you with your love. Relationships get very complicated. I help you understand what's going on where it's headed, where your next love is, what the lesson is, and how to improve that. I also work in career and dealing with career fields and different job opportunities and things you would like to experience in your life. I use the tarot. My favorite deck is the Yoda tarot. That's what I normally grab. But I also read angel cards. I also read um, ascended master cards. And I use astrology and numerology in your readings. All that tied in together with my clairvoyant skills, I'm able to get in there and answer your important questions quickly, clearly, and fast. I look forward to talking to you. You have a great day. Right. Welcome back. I don't know. Part of me wants to go up there and and see it. Okay. The uh, abandoned car dealership? No, the abandoned oh. time traveling machine. Oh, the abandoned DeLorean. Yeah, that yeah. could be fun. Right. 
Like, come on. Does it have a juicer? Possibly. May have a coffee pot. Is that a pet? No. The juicer. Right. To to create energy. Right. It was a Mr. Fusion. Okay. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. I like the movie, all right? Leave me alone. I know. I know. Oh. Oh. Yeah, apparently the property is in conservatorship and they're not interested in selling. Oh, and a flux capacitor, yes. Yeah. Flux capacitor and uh, a Mr. Fusion. But yeah, uh, Devin points out, um, so I watch Abandoned Explorers on uh, uh, Explorers on YouTube. There's always some old car left behind. Folks die and stuff gets left in limbo. Depends on if there are living relatives or not, things can get left in probate. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of that is sometimes what happens. Sometimes also, like, there are, like, there's whole abandoned cities from, like, incidents um, or companies that, that, you know, built entire towns for their employees and then the company suddenly shut down mm -hmm. and they literally just packed everyone up and, and told them that, you know, it was temporary and then they never came back. They locked the gates and left. Right. And so people didn't realize this is it. It's over. Pack all your stuff and leave. <laughs> wasn't, mm -hmm. That wasn't the communicated message um but then you also have like towns that are hit by like some weird and freaky disasters right um chernobyl is a good example there there were whole cities that just uh, like whoop, gone right you just ripped all the people out of them to to save those people and there was no point in them bringing anything with them it's all contaminated and has to be destroyed they weren't so allowed leave it to. behind. Yeah. Yeah. You have to leave everything behind. Mm -hmm. We're going to strip you naked mm -hmm. and shower you off. Right. Hope you live. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Fukushima. Yeah. That's, that's another good example. Um, oh, the Silent Hill. And I forget what it actually is in West Virginia. Well, because it's not actually West Virginia. It's Pennsylvania. Um, the, the technical basis of Silent Hill right. um, with the underground uh, fires. Right. Because um, basically a coal seam is on fire. It's going to burn for like a hundred and some years. It may burn longer than that. Yeah. Um, but no, like, again, whole abandoned town. Right. Towns. Well, you know, one of our favorite places is abandoned, technically. There's six people. Oh, there. yeah, Thurman. Yeah. Um, all, all six residents of Thurman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know, maybe someone had a child. <laughs> Could be seven. Um, you know, we gotta, we gotta keep up on that. All right. But yeah, and, and the, again, not uncommon in West Virginia to have these things happen. Right. Um, because so many coal towns right. were built around coal mines. The mining company owned all the houses. Yeah. And basically everything else for the town. 
um, like you didn't live there if you didn't work for the company, and if you no longer worked for the company, you got kicked out of the town. Right. Effectively. Um, so it was work or get out. Um, well, that or, you know, if your husband died, you had seven days to replace him or get out. Or get out. Yeah. Find another mine. Uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Devin. Uh, yeah, like that whole town, and that was a whole disaster because the venting of the fumes, I believe. Um, they were trying to burn the methane all. Yeah, and it started a whole underground fire. Like, it's just gonna burn till it burns out the scene. Right. So, melting asphalt and venting plumes of smoke and the air quality is garbage. Yeah, and you have to live in constant fear it's going to hit a pocket of gas. Yeah, like, and I I have some problems with the exploration videos of Centralia 2. Just because most of them are okay because of the people, like, taking precautions and being careful. Mm -hmm. Um, I would be really concerned about my lungs. Because no, that's 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 not a place you want to just go walking around. Right. Because you don't know from minute to minute what it's burning. It may right. just be some coal, which is going to be hard enough. But if you're hitting any gas pockets that day, yeah, like whoo, that air quality is going to drop quick. Mm-hmm. So. And I've seen some explorers that do it really well, and I've seen some that it's like, you're just trying, like, you don't care what you do to yourself as long as you get some YouTube videos. Right. Um, And the same with some of the urban explorers, too. Like, the amount of mold and, um, you know, older buildings full of asbestos. Like, you know that building has asbestos. There's no way in hell it doesn't have asbestos. And it's been exposed to the elements for, like, 20, 30 years. Uh-huh. Uh, hmm. I'd be, yeah, no, I, I think you have to start taking a lot of precautions if you're going to do that. And you see a lot of these guys and the best, the best you get out of some of them is like mm-hmm. a bandana wrapped around their face. Right. And it's like, that's not even the beginning mm-hmm. of how to do that properly. Right. Uh Oh, then there's Boston Mills, Ohio, Helltown. I get sick of those. These YouTubers perpetuate falsehoods. Yeah. Right. And there are, yeah, there are some of those. And with enough special effects, you can make anything look scary. Um, God knows. Or you can just drive up to the um, uh, asylum in Weston. Like that, well, do we if that building don't creep you out. <laughs> See that building never freaks me out. It makes me want to move in. Really? Yes. Can I, can you I mean, imagine it's... having that property alone? Well, that would be kind of cool. Um, I don't know. Gothic architecture, though, it just it, it's it's oh, kind of it. creepy on its own. Gothic architecture on its own, though, is kind of creepy. True. But kind you know... of creepy. If we could find a lovely, lovely church for sale, we might, that was gothic, I would buy it in a heartbeat. 
I don't have a problem living in a church. I don't have a problem with that. My, but my, like, gothic architecture bugs me a little. Because mm-hmm. it is just kind of creepy. Right. Oh, yeah. Devin would love to visit the Weston Asylum. Um, we would, too. So far, we've managed to go on the day it was closed. Uh, <laughs> and then find right. out what its, uh, pass, uh, what its pass has cost. And it's right. like, God. Oh, my God. This is not... This is not a cheap endeavor. Right. Like, it is. Well, and it's just like... "Mm." And again, it's also one of those buildings that as old as it is, you've got... There are some serious concerns if you have breathing issues that you really need to take into account before you seriously get into some of these. Because um, I will say that having been to a few of the different uh, places that we've been to, mm-hmm. um, just for, you know, because we end up dealing with like, you know, Heyman House and, um, you know, all, all the older like haunted uh, places. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these are really great and have been fully restored and they're, they're I'm, I'm more than comfortable. Some of them are works in progress. Right. And there's a huge difference. Um, because I don't always feel as comfortable in some of them. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I'm in, in the best air quality situation. Like, there's a couple of my eyes just start burning. And like, the there's minute. a couple that's just like... Mm-hmm. Like, I just go into them and I'm like, okay, we'll do this event. We ain't coming back. Yeah. Well, and then there's some of them that environmentally, like, they don't have HVAC systems. So if you're, like, you better watch what day you go or you're going to be roasting or freezing. Right. There's no in-between. Right. Unless the weather is in-between. Right. So, anyway. And then that's debatable. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I think there are a couple of the houses that it doesn't really matter what the outside weather is. You're just roasting for freezing. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Mansfield Penitentiary, that's the one up in Wheeling. That's a pretty cool one. I've done that tour. We've ended up there. That was good. I think you have. I don't think I've done that one. No, you didn't do that one. That was that. Yeah. That was before you went. Right. Well, and, and I know that's also, like, because there's an attached event that happens mm-hmm. in Moundsville. Right. And, like, you have your own issues with that. Um, like, that wasn't the best event. Um, right. But then the penitentiary itself, I, I've only really heard good things about. Like, that's yeah, a- like, they do a good tour. There's a lot of fun stuff there. You'd be surprised. The prisoners are very conversational. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, for dead people, they talk a lot. Okay, fair enough. So. Oh, but right. yeah. Yeah, so moving right along. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, Proud Boys, how are you enjoying that? <laughs> so you have two articles for Proud Boys. I do. Um, Let's start off with the first one. Okay, the Ethan one or the Storming one? 
Um, Ethan won. All righty. So Proud Boys Ethan Nordine and Dominic uh, Pizzola jailed for U.S. Capitol riot. Two members of the far-right Proud Boys group have been jailed for leading the U.S. Capitol riot. Dominic Pizzola, 46, who was convicted of assaulting police and obstructing an official proceeding, was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Ethan Nordine, 32, who led the group's march on Congress on uh, January 6, 2021, was sentenced to 18 years for a more serious sedition conspiracy charge. The former head of the group, uh, Enrique Enrique Terrio, will be sentenced next week. Before being sentenced, Nordine told the court, I would like to apologize for my lack of leadership that day and called the riot a complete and utter tragedy. To anyone who I directly or even indirectly wronged, I'm sorry, he said. But U.S. District Judge Timothy Kelly told him that the events of the day broke uh, a long uh, political tradition. If we don't have a peaceful transfer of power in this country, we don't have anything, Mr. Kelly said. Nordine of Washington State went by the nickname uh, Ruffio Panman and was well known within the Proud Boys for his frequent brawls with Antifa activists in the Pacific Northwest. His sentence is one of the longest ones yet handed to Capitol riot defendants. Stuart Rhodes, the leader of the Oath Keepers Militia, was also given 18 years in prison earlier this year. The other defendant sentenced on Friday, Pizzola, a 46-year-old former U.S. Marine, fought with officers during the riot and smashed a window with a police riot shield. A selfie video taken on the day of the riot shows Pizzola smoking what he described as a, quote, victory cigar in the Capitol building. While he was convicted on the assault and obstruction charges, he was acquitted of seditious conspiracy, a charge applied to defendants for plotting to overthrow the government or use force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States. An emotional Pizzola expressed some remorse for his actions during his sentencing hearing. His wife, daughter, and mother all addressed the judge, and his mother described him as having been a wonderful child that never gave me any trouble. Oh, excuse me. Really? He gave the fucking United States trouble, lady. Are you not an American? Uh, Pizzola's wife said that her daughters have become victims of harassment and bullying at school, which, hi... this is why you don't do these things if you don't like I have some real struggles with the idea that you should never go after someone's you know family or children this is one of those situations it's really really hard Mm -hmm. for people not to be emotionally charged based on your relative's actions well, see, here's the thing, and this is my thing. One, that mother should, who, you know, should be um, charged with um, a what is it. When you tell the court a lie. Oh, perjury. Perjury. Either that or she needs to renounce her citizenship. One of the two. Well, here's the follow-on, though, is but once the prison term had been handed down, the judge had left the room, Pizzola raised a fist and shouted, Trump. Yeah. So you don't have remorse. You you basically said what your lawyer told you to tell the court. Mm-hmm. Like, see, this is why we struggle. Yeah. 
like I, I want to have the moment where I believe that you got caught up into a thing, right? Went down a rabbit hole and found yourself way in over your head, right? And being an average ordinary person, generally speaking, um, you you, you didn't know what to do to get out, right? Like I want to have that belief. I want to. I think See, we I don't. Have to have I, that I don't belief. have that belief on the on the on either of these. No, I well not now. Um, but what I'm saying is, in, in general circumstances, it, it, that when in most situations someone has egregiously, like this was, um, broken like civil decorum anything that remotely resembled being an average ordinary person i like to believe that like somehow you got caught up mm -hmm. um but again and again and again we 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 hear the words mm -hmm. and then we see the crap right and like, see if i was a judge because that that was CCTV, and I would walk back in the courtroom to 20 more years. I, I would have a hard time not doing that. Yeah. Like, even if that got reversed on appeal. Right. Like, try the motherfucker again. Like, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. It was worth it. <laughs> right. Um, like, because, I, I, again... But that's also the challenge frequently to our to our police, to our law enforcement, to our judges, to, to the entire legal world right. is in a situation with with people who do not have or seem to possess the ability to understand the, the level of their wrongdoing mm -hmm. to treat them fairly. And not to just kick them like dogs in your way. No. You know what I mean? To, to show more kindness mm -hmm. than they will show the world. No. Um, so, yeah, I I, mm, I I would have some trouble there, though. Mm, All right. My trouble would be how fast can this wife get divorced from him? And, you know, she's probably not gonna. Unfortunately, like that's the weirdo part is, is like no matter how many sentences they hand down, it doesn't seem right. like there's there, there's still not a connection being made. And, and we just saw right. it. He's going to prison for 18 years. Yeah. He's going to prison for 18 years and he still, still, still. Yeah. Turns around after the sentence and the judge left the room and says Trump won. Like, you're not making the connection. Like, I hope the next 18 years of your life make the connection. Yeah. Because you're not getting the, you did stuff wrong. Mm hmm You did bad. No good. No good. Yeah. Um, like, you're you're not making the connection. And I, I for, I'm really starting to wonder, is it possible for them to make the connection? I think like, it is, but I think that it's going to take a bit. And what I mean by that is it's going to take some deep cult 
deprogramming to occur. Well, and, and that that was kind of where I was about to go. It's like how brainwashed and how it, like it just kills me. It's like how do you get this brainwashed? How do you sit in your living room mm-hmm. and manage to go so far mm-hmm. down the rabbit hole to even think about leaving your house? Right. Um, to go march and and do all this, um, right. and protest, um. One, and then how do you just get this fixated? Right. That like you're in court, man. Yeah. Your your children are getting bullied for this. I'm sure your wife's heard some things at this point. Right. Um. You're yeah. doing 18 years in prison. Yeah. Like, you're most likely going to be hard kids. time instead of just Everything. prison. Hard time would have been a better thing. Yeah. I just. And you still don't get it. That's that's the part that bugs me. It's like, and you still don't get it. Nope. All right. All right. As an all male, hard drinking, self described Western chauvinist fraternity seven years ago saw themselves as Donald Trump's foot soldiers and were among the first to march on the Capitol on the day of the riot. Um, Please note also, I do love the fact that uh, TikTok pointed out to me Mm -hmm. and and the veracity of this is in TikTok pointed out to me, so you may want to go double check that. Uh, Apparently Proud Boy is also a term for a gelding who doesn't know that he no longer has testicles. Just, just. I, you know, I don't even need it to be true. I just, I, I giggle at it anyway. Correct. So, yeah. Oh, oh, so then we go on to, uh, Joe Biggs and Zachary Rell, on uh, Thursday, Biggs and Rell were sentenced to 17 and 15 years in prison, respectively, Um, and prosecutors have requested a 33-year sentence for um, Terrio. Yeah. So we haven't had that sentence come down yet, I don't believe. Not yet. Um, Yeah. Should be later this week. However, they have a new target, and they're messing with the wrong bitches this time. Oh, you guys want to see military? You're going to see military, and it's going to be coordinated fabulously. Exactly, Uh, glitter. I, you know, proud boys from storming the Capitol for Trump to protesting drag shows. Uh, members of the far-right Proud Boys have been given long prison sentences for their role in the attack on the Capitol on January 6, 2021, but members of that group remain uh, that remain free have a new target, drag shows. They started as a drinking club seven years ago, but quickly immersed themselves in street violence and culture wars. After shooting the mainstream attention during the 2020 presidential campaign, they made up one of the main organized groups at the Capitol riot. Ethan Nordine, who is active in street brawls with uh, anti-fascist or activists in the Pacific Northwest, 
was sentenced to 18 years in prison on Friday. He led a group of 200 Proud Boys during the riot, along with Joseph Biggs, an Iraqi, uh, uh, an Iraq War veteran who was given a 17-year term. Zachary Real, the former president of the Philadelphia Proud Boys, received 15 years. And Dominic Pizzola, who smashed a Capitol window with a police shield and a <clears throat> and lit a cigar once inside, was sentenced to 10 years. And the leader of the group, uh, Enrique Terrio, will be sentenced on September 5th. So Terrio was not present in Washington during the riot, but was in touch with his members from a hotel room in nearby Baltimore. Um, so unlike some of the other organized groups involved in the Capitol riot, which have ceased operations, local Proud Boy chapters continue to remain active across the U.S. They've picked up a new focus, anti-transgender activism. Uh, so fights broke out outside a drag story hour event in New York City in late March. And according to reports, men wearing Proud Boys gear were in the middle of the melee. It was not an isolated incident. In recent months, supporters of the far-right group have been at the forefront of similar actions across the country. Their involvement may seem, on the surface, like a departure from the group's libertarian roots. When the BBC went to interview uh, Proud Boys in Portland, Oregon in 2019, uh, we met a gay member of the club and a transgender supporter. But their live and let live ideals have always been in conflict with the group's description of themselves as Western chauvinists who believe in traditional gender roles. Uh, venerate the housewife was one of their early precepts, and the organization limits membership to biological males. Their focus on hypermasculinity has made them a perfect fit for the new wave of anti-transgender activism on the right and far right. Oh, so we kind of already did the history of them. Um, so skipping over. Um, so over the years, the Proud Boys went through a series of leadership changes from Mr. McInnes uh, to an elders chapter and Terrio who took over in 2018. But the group's national structure frayed after the events of January 6th when the Proud Boys started to face criminal charges and social media bans. Individual Proud Boy chapters continue to operate, says Megan Squire, Deputy Director of Data Analytics at the Southern Poverty Law Center's Intelligence Project. In some cases, they've added members, gaining visibility as they join anti-transgender protests, which over the past few years have become a flashpoint in America's culture wars. Ms. Squire notes that the Proud Boys were early adopters of anti-trans uh, sentiment starting around 2020. According to the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, ACLED, which tracks far-right movements in the U.S., the number of anti-LGBT incidents, uh, LG, yeah, LGBT incidents, uh, demonstrations, political violence, and offline pro propaganda activity is growing. In 2022, far-right groups, including the Proud Boys, were involved in over 200 incidents, a threefold increase from 2021. In a blog post last year, the Southern Poverty Law Center noted that Proud Boys have turned their attention to issues most likely to drive right-wing outrage and, in turn, to help the group forge new coalitions. We're seeing this on every wavelength, every uh, flavor of hate, says Ms. Squire, who's been researching Proud Boys' activity across the country. They're just all uh, glomming onto anti-trans sentiment. And as they did during the Capitol riots, the Proud Boys have shown up at these anti-drag events. 
uh, ready to be the far right muscle, says Chuck Tanner, research director of the Institute for Research and Education on Human Rights. They're not the movement thinkers out in front. They chase a lot of issues, he says. Um, so before the trial verdict in May, Mr. McInnes, the Proud Boys founder, told the BBC that the five defendants did something wrong by entering the Capitol, but said he believes their actions amounted to relatively minor offenses. He said at the time that long prison sentences will make uh, the group's leaders into martyrs for the cause and insisted the group will continue despite its current lack of leadership. It's just set in stone. You can't kill it. There's no top. There's no head, he said. Expert observers largely agree. Samantha Kuttner, a researcher who's written about the group and its co-founder of Glitter Pill LLC, an anti-extremist consultancy group, says that given the increasing politicization after the Capitol riots, the convictions may give the Proud Boys a boost. It will give them more momentum, she says. Every time they lose, it furthers their martyrdom and prosecution and persecution complex. In an... <laughs> So basically, every time we send these idiots to prison, and I'm sorry, I'm just calling them idiots. I'm done. They are. It makes them believe more. It, it creates more membership. It it increases. Oh my god. Oh how how. Oh. We've seen this. This is the 1920s all over again. They would call themselves the Pride Boys today. They were the KKK, the, the new KKK then. And yes, you have to go and trouble down some history to get there. You know how you kill them? You kill them by taking their finances. You kill them by firing them. You kill them by divorcing them. Well, and more so, this is this is not about actual individual death as much. And I just want to make that clear. I'm not calling for anyone's death. I just want them to get it. And, mm -hmm. and to, until they get it, not have access to, to the rest of society and making life worse for everyone else. Right. Like, pay the biggest penalties you can possibly pay in your life. For being this screwed up. Yes. Until you get it. Yes. That's where I'm at. Right. Um, so, yeah, in an audio interview on Twitch, uh, which Terrio joined via phone from his jail cell just after arguments ended in the court case, the former Proud Boys leader accused authorities of weaponizing the justice system and likened the current U.S. government to the regime in Nazi Germany. Oh, this is not the end of the Proud Boys, Miss Kuttner says. Their threat now is a, uh, is a larger and more decentralized now. Um, but there are signs of fractures in the... In June, Proud Boys marched near a Pride event in Oregon City near Portland. Another far-right group made up of former Proud Boys also showed up, and a video of a brawl between the two factions went viral. Two people were arrested, and experts say the incident touched off a debate on Proud Boy chat channels about whether more extreme and white national activists should be welcomed into the group or cast out. Mm -hmm. So now they're in fighting. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is where I'm stuck, Devin, is, God, what stupidity. Like, yeah. Jesus. 
like start a fight club just beat the crap out of yourselves like i really shouldn't endorse that but like seriously no contact tlc they'll do a fucking show you'll make millions which takes us to our pop culture event i know right <laughs> speaking of making Oh. All right. So, Sister Wives exclusive see the fight that led to Cody and uh, Janelle Brown's separation. Janelle and Cody Brown exchange curse words in a fight that leads one to say, we're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, tensions between Janelle and Cody Brown come to a boiling point and result in, ex- in, in an explosive fight, which will air in the next episode of Sister Wives out September 3rd. In an exclusive clip shared with Today.com, the couple meets at Janelle Brown's place to discuss their plans for Christmas. What begins as a conversation about the problem in their family grows more contentious until Janelle finally says, shut your effing mouth and let me talk to you for a second. Has anyone that has watched the show ever not wanted to look at Cody and say, shut your effing mouth? Mouth. <laughs> okay, I'm maybe sorry. I okay, okay. This may have been <laughs> like my first view of polyamory and polygamy. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is so. I watched Janelle. Like Janelle is my favorite because Janelle's probably me in in like I can identify with her. I've got spreadsheets of finances. Fair enough. But no, I like I'm going to have you make a meme of that of shut your fucking mouth. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Like, just because here's the problem. And Cody Because you really have to just back up and like every time something gets screwed up, it's because of crap Cody said. Yes. Like if you just mm, Everything right. would have been fine. Right. But then you kept talking. Right. And you just see the moments when the women just look at him like, are you, have you lost it? Right. What up? <laughs> right. You know, he is such an idiot. He is messing this up such a, like a hinge. It is ridiculous. Like, he is rusty and needs some WD-40. Like, let me tell you. Oh, he needs more than fucking WD-40. He needs reprogrammed. And he's going to lose them all. Like, I'm saying, you know, this year, Janelle leaves, Mary leaves. Next year, Robin leaves. Because Robin wanted the polygamy family. That's her whole fucking gig. Well, or she digs in. Mm -hmm. And they rebuild it. Right. Like, I, I think possibly Robin stays because I think she's detached enough from reality. Yeah. Like, I don't think she's in reality. Yeah. Like, I think she is somewhere off in this, like, waspy la-la land. Right. Where everything is just sunny and beautiful and <laughs> right. I can have everything I want. Right. And just... Yeah. Like, I don't think she's sitting in reality looking at the situation and everything going on and everything that has happened. Right. And being like, I'm next. 
Yeah. Like, I think she thinks she has control over him. And well, it's like, I don't think she has control over him at all, first of all. Like, you, you have gained his interest and his attention and his focus, but you're not moment. running the show. Nah. For the moment, like younger, and faster. I love and seeing the kids come out and talk and talk bullshit. And his whole thing is, you know, nobody respects me. You don't fucking respect them, Cody. Shut your yeah, fucking mouth up. Listen to your damn wife. Yeah, no. The one that has made you money and continued to make you money until she took her finances away. Now they're losing the property. Well, there you go. Well, apparently the interaction is sour from the start as the mother of six expresses her frustrations with Cody Brown's communication style, saying she feels gaslit. Uh, quote, I came into this conversation expecting to use that term because I feel like you are constantly gaslighting me, Janelle Brown replies. Uh, visibly frustrated, Cody Brown once again brings up their plural family's ongoing divide. In last week's episode, the Browns lamented their fractured family unit as they spent Thanksgiving apart. Because uh, Cody was a dick. Yeah. Now, can I just say, I am so happy Christine has found her a good man. She's been enjoying her a lovely vacation in Europe with him. He's kind of cute. He, David's kind of cute. I can, I can see that. And they look so happy together. And oh, and you know, unlike the vaca- the honeymoon that um, Robin took, Christine said, "Oh no, we're all going." She took all her kids to Europe. <laughs> yeah, like the problems in this family. Like my God, just like Cody, sit down, watch the replay. Yes. And be like, oh, I get it now. Like, what is what you would think would happen? Like, maybe you just right. need to see it again. Right. See it from multiple perspectives. Right. Have an open mind. See it from all, multiple perspectives. Like, watch it through the camera lens. Right. And go, you know, that wasn't really what I should have done. Yeah. And I think that's the Cody Brown problem. Right. Admitting he made mistakes. Yes. Like, I don't think he does. I don't think he sees anything he does as a mistake. He just sees everyone else as the problem who doesn't understand, who didn't listen, who didn't do what he said, even though it made no fucking sense and was any, like, did not have equality. Because no one in this has equity. There, there is no, like, balance of equity. Like, right. you're, you're not on an equal footing with, like, n- no. This is all hierarchical. Right. And it, it's, like, flavor of the month. Well, like, it was. In, that, in the past four years, it's been Robin. Yeah. Yeah, and well, that's problem one. But that's been the fundamental problem is if you go all the way back to the beginning. Right. Wife one was a flavor of the month. Wife two became a flavor of the month, but wife one didn't realize she was no longer flavor of the month. Mm -hmm. Then wife three became the flavor of the month, but then it kind of alternated, I think, back to wife two, and there was some, like, I don't know going on. And then Robin. Well, see, they had the, 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 when it was three, 
They had it down pat. Cody's in, 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 they had the whole house built with multiple apartments. Everything uh-huh. was rocking well. They should have stopped there. Like, well, but again, I, I, I think, I think for Cody, he has a little bit of a cult mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, he really wants, like, this isn't about, like, and here's the thing. I really have problems calling this even polyamory. Right. It's not. It's a cult of Cody Brown. And I don't oh. think he really wants to be an evil cult leader. I really don't. Like, I'm not saying that. I don't well, think he he's an evil cult leader. He lies to his wives to get them to do what he wants. And, and that's a problem. But I think it's bigger than that. Okay. I, I think he is a total charisma personality. Right. And it's not that he's unlikable. Um, it's just he doesn't take in information. Well, not only that, but he, he doesn't see not... his actions in context. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't hear and actually feel other people's emotions. Like, he right. doesn't understand what they're going through. Right. And he's doing nothing about it. Like, right. that totally not his department um and just i don't think ever sits down past the thought right and then like runs it through his head and like what if someone told me that well i think someone hold everybody accountable and this is what i mean we went into covid rules you, in our household, we had two high-at-risk lockdown and live events, no personal interactions. Like, we, you know, we strategized and said, okay, you're taking over this, and we don't go anywhere when this is. We made sane fucking decisions. Well, and even if he was going to make the insane decisions. Right. You know what I mean? Like, do it across the board. Like, you're either right. all in or you're all out, but playing favorites. Right. You know, they, you know, Janelle could not go see her, wasn't supposed to go see her oldest grand, her oldest child have their first child because of COVID. He did not go to see his daughter, with his daughter to have back fusion done because of COVID. But the nanny was still coming into Robin's house and gave him all COVID. Well, and again, it's the, like, do you not understand, like, it it becomes this moment of, do you not understand the actions and the the consequences, or did you make rules Mm -hmm. and expect everyone to follow them, but then when this one particular favorite person, your flavor of the month, Mm -hmm. decided, oh, okay, and then we're doing whatever I want. Mm-hmm. You went, okay. Yeah. And so was the real problem that anyone listened in the first place. Right. Like, like sometimes I really wonder, do, does Cody know he's full of shit and just expects everyone to be like, okay. Right. Um, Like, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And right. like, you you go sort yourself um or is he just like seriously doesn't get that like you're doing one thing with one person and treating them one way 
and setting mm -hmm. one set of you know rules, then you're saying the same thing to a different person, right? But not enforcing any of the things. But right. if the the original person we're talking about deviates at all, you're coming down hard and swift, right? And so like there's a total imbalance there. Exactly. Like there's no rhyme or reason. Right. You're capricious with these people. Right. In how you respond to virtually identical or let's just call it like a risk factor. Right. And like sometimes it's like, oh my God, you know, drop a bomb. And sometimes it's like, oh, okay, well, that wasn't really great, but all right. Right. And here's a, you know, a real life example. If any of us are away, we call hall every night no big deal we all do it invisible goes away for a weekend he calls home i go away for a weekend i call home you go away for a weekend you call home if not then there's an issue right but cody doesn't follow but that's like saying oh well you can go away for a weekend and you don't have to call home but then jumping invisible shit for not calling home. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure we could have situations where that could occur. Right. Like, if I were going to the middle of the woods, like, this would ever happen for me. But if I were going to the middle of the woods for, like, a weekend with no right. cell service, no landlines, it's a middle of nowhere. Right. Arguably. We could suspend them. Like if I had to drive thirty miles just to get cell phone signal, right? I would, think we could But you know, if and then you know, if the if invisible is like I'm in downtown city uh -huh. by bar service, uh -huh. and I couldn't be arsed to pick up the phone, right? That's different. Yeah, that's different. That's not the same thing. Right. I can't be arsed is not the same right? as I'm in the middle of effing nowhere. Right. But the rules are applied equally to everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, then we'll figure out, oh, you don't have cell phone service. Okay, great. We got that covered. So we have a check-in point. Like, you're supposed to, you know, check in at this point. Right. Otherwise, well, we now have to send out a helicopter. As soon as... You get cell phone service, and we do that. Yeah. Point being, but he did not apply that to Robin's house. He had COVID rules for every house. And I understand the complexity of managing multiple fucking houses. Why was the nanny not put on furlough or moved in? One of the two. Figure out something different. More importantly, right. across the board, figure out something different. Right. You know, um, or or just acknowledge that, like, you made a mistake. Right. Screwed well, up. not only that, but what I don't get is why you have Christine there that has raised all the children. She has been mama to them all. Mm -hmm. You want the other kids to be part of the family? Christine's mama. You drop them off in the mornings, Robin. That's how we work. All right. But no, this, the, and that's part of my flavor of the month theory. 
Mm-hmm. Is and right. it's not specifically a month. It's just the generality of each wife becomes flavor of the month. Right. Like you are the golden one. Right. And then when I trade you in, right. But leave you in my backyard. Like I, this is why I have a problem calling it polyamory because it's less right. polyamory and it's like the Cody Brown at, uh, uh, future ex-wife junkyard. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like that junkie house on the corner where, like, mm-hmm. they bought a car and then they bought a new car. And right. so the old car just got left on blocks in the backyard and then they bought right. a new car. And that other car got left on blocks in the backyard. And they just right. keep adding. Right. Like. And can I just say, Janelle looks so happy after she told Tony to kick fucking rocks. Like, she has done amazing. She's dropped, like, 200 pounds. Granted, she's using Plexus, which I'm not sure what Plexus is. It's not something I've looked into. I I don't even think it mattered what she did. Yeah. Stress, you you will, it, like, for some people, and I'm one of them, um, right. you, stress alone. Right. You will sit there and eat your emotions to a point... Mm-hmm that like you have gained insane amounts of weight because right. you're trying to cope with bullshit layers and right. layers and layers and layers of bullshit and right. so the like she lost yeah if it is like 200 pounds she lost 200 pounds of stress that's what that is right like that was the severity right of being in a relationship with Cody Brown and anything else in her life that that was attached. Like, because I'm not saying it's all Cody. She may have come in with her own issues. Right. Like, we all... 100 pounds as of June. Yeah. But she looks fucking amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. Good deal, good deal. Yeah. All right, guys, let's take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back with Are You an Asshole? Absolutely. Hi, this is Sandy Star. I'm a psychic and I work on Keen and I have been working on Keen for over 22 years. You can reach me on 01068. I deal with a myriad of subjects, but I do specialize in relationships, marriages, divorces, is he cheating, is she cheating, whatever the dynamic of the relationship is, I will guide you through. I've got amazing radar for cheaters, so I will tell you the truth if he or she is cheating. I can help with any subject you need me to help you with besides relationships, and I look forward to hearing from you. Again, you can reach me through Keen, and my extension number is 01068. I really look forward to hearing from you and helping you with whatever you need me to help you with. Hi, I'm Tracy Van. I'm a psychic medium and I work with tarot cards. I also press, practice Reiki and access bars. I would like to share with you what a reading with me is like. It is a blended reading of psychic and mediumship. And I deliver these messages exactly as they come through. I'm not going to mince words or add any padding. I am a professional, reliable, and honest communicator. I have readings available anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. 
You can book a reading with me at tracyvan.com. That's T-R-A-C-Y-V-A-N-N.com. And know I'll always tell you exactly what you need to hear. All right. Welcome back. <sighs> Am I the asshole for implying my daughter's mother-in-law is a child to her my husband and I are the parents of two beautiful children. Our daughter is 25 and our son is 21. Both of our children are adopted from foster care. Our daughter was two when she came into her home and our son was 11 weeks old. As parents, my husband and I's main goal was always to make sure our children grew up into good people and felt loved and supported by us through all the stages of their lives. Our daughter is now married to a wonderful man, Taylor, and they just had their first child together. I had a bit of a run-in with my daughter's mother-in-law at the hospital when we went to visit. My daughter's mother-in-law and father-in-law have always struck me as somewhat arrogant, and my husband and I have both felt like they have made jabs at the fact my husband and I were older parents. Taylor's parents had him when they were 18, and they are grandparents at 43 now. Apparently, this is something that makes them superior to my husband and I as grandparents, according to Taylor's mom. This all started out when we were invited to come meet the baby and see Taylor and our daughter. My husband and I first went to check on how our daughter was doing and uh, if she needed anything. Taylor's parents went straight for the baby. When we were leaving, my husband went to use the restroom and Taylor's mom followed me and suggested that I was some grandparent when I showed, oh, that I was some grandparent when I showed no enthusiasm to meet my grandson. I asked what she meant by that and she said I ignored him for the first 10 minutes. I corrected her and said I did not ignore my grandson. I checked on my baby first because childbirth can be difficult. She asked how I would know that and then said it must be my age that makes me less interested in grandbabies. I was shocked as this was the most blatant insult she had directed my way. She then said that she and her husband will be the beloved grandparents because they're young enough to run around with our grandson and play with him without breaking a hip or destroying their backs. I told her she knew nothing about me to say this. She said, clearly being old parents came with the disadvantage of being old grandparents, and that would not be fun for a child. I told her I'd rather be an older grandparent than trying to be a grandparent while still behaving like a child myself. She was furious, and I felt bad immediately because I only inflated the problem. My husband and I left, and he suggested we should speak to Taylor in case his mom twisted things. I didn't want to interrupt their first day as a family of three, so I waited for a couple of days. At that point, Taylor knew something was up with his mom. We talked, and he told me not to worry about it. He apologized for his mom and asked if his uh, parents had been like that with us previously. His mother, however, had uh, has said, I declared a grandparent war and that I'm clearly looking down my nose at her for being a teenage mother. Am I the asshole? No. <laughs> See, when she hit the turf of, uh -huh. um, um, <laughs> damn, I, I, no, you're not the asshole. 
I, I think you handled that with about as as much diplomacy as one could muster. Right. Um, and I have to say, like, I grew up with older parents. Mm-hmm. Like, and like, I wasn't adopted. I just, oops, I showed up late. Um, so mom was well past eighteen when she had mm-hmm. me. She she was actually older uh, than the uh, mother in law in the story, because mom yeah. was forty five when she had me. Right. Um. So you think that makes a young grandparent? Um. Tell me what you think of that as a uh, parent. Yeah. Um. You know what I mean. Um. And I won't say that it didn't, like, my situation did obviously did not turn out well. But mom, I will admit, uh, or will admit makes it sounds like I'm confessing something horrible. I will say mom went through a lot of crap mm-hmm. in terms of everyone thought this was my grandmother, not my mother. Mm-hmm. Because every event she went to, she was the oldest parent there. Or pretty close to it. Like, her and another mother went back and forth. On, like, you know what I mean? Like, they both had kids about the same time. Um, and same phase of their life. So, yeah. Um, now, But mom was also a grandparent at the same time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, she's sitting here with, you know, me... And, like, I have nephews and nieces that are older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some that are, like, just a little bit younger than me. Right. Um, so, mom was doing both. Older parent. Older. and But the more typical, like, 40-something grandparent. All right, what are you Because doing? wasn't your nephew, your nephew's younger than you are. Well, I, like, yeah, oh, there's lovely stories about that. Yeah. Uh, quick version, one of my, <laughs> so a nephew and I are three months apart. And it's just enough of an age difference that uh, he started school the year after I did. Um, there's a lovely fun story about he kept referring to me as Uncle Joe and our teachers freaked out. Right. They thought something weird was going on only to find out from our mothers when they tried to call and make this stop that, oh no, no, no. That's that's literal relationship. Right. Like, dude's not being weird. Right. Dudes are not being weird. This is... Welcome to the Twilight Zone. This is what happened. <laughs> right. Like, you know, basically one of those moments of like, hi, let me explain this as best I can. Right. You know, I was 20, uh, like, I'm trying to remember. I think my sister was like 26, 27. Like, I was 26, 27, whatever the age is. I had a child. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to everyone, my 45 year old mother became pregnant after her tubal ligation failed right um 13 years after she had it um so my mother went into labor 
three months before I went into labor. Right. And because of the way the school calendar works out and what the cutoff dates for birthdays are, yes, you have a uncle, my brother, who is in first grade, and you have his nephew, my child, in kindergarten. Right. Like, have fun with that. Enjoy that. That is his uncle. There is no weirdness. Other than the fact that this ever happened is like a lightning strike. Yeah. I I just imagine the conversation had to be fun as they're trying to be like, listen, (laughs) here's what happened. Right. But it's also, you know, older grandparents, you know, I... Well, and then this is probably a good one for West Virginia because you have a lot of grandparents that end up being de facto parents here. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I understand other areas, this may be more in common, you know, like grandparents in in their, you know, or parents in their, you know, 30, 20s, 30s, and 40s. Right. 30s and 40s, more importantly. Um, but we turn around in right. West Virginia and unfortunately have had a decades long struggle with substance abuse um, that has made de facto parents out of people who either are grandparents or are grandparent age. Right. I'm not going to say there aren't occasionally trade-offs depending upon how much of an age difference we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're talking older parents and you're like 50 and having your first grandchild versus 43 and having your first grandchild or right. you're talking 55 that's still right. that's that's reasonable yeah like you're you're hardly going to be hitting your 70s like you're not even yeah. going to be hitting your 70s when this child graduates high school right well i'm just saying so, you know Wow, well, I can do quick math. You know, Grandma One was forty-two, and Grandma Two it was another was sixty-two. So I had both worlds. Sixty-two was fucking on my case. Like mm-hmm. she had a grandson. That's all she cared about. Oh yeah, she was all over. Yeah. Like, I got this. Meanwhile, there there was an... In, well, and then there's the other problem, is you would think having a younger grandparent means, oh, we're going to be on the floor playing with the baby and running and chasing and jumping, blah, blah, blah. No. You're at work. You're 40-some years old. You th- What do you think you're doing? Yeah. you got to work. This is a dual-income economy. Hell, it is practically a polar... Like, monogamy in this economy. Um, like... You're looking for a third. You're looking for a third just to pay the rent. Just yeah. to pay the rent. Right. Like, you know, like, hi. Indecent hi. proposal? Yes, please. I have bills. All right? Because um, I'm 41. Yeah. Like, I understand you, you're a 43-year-old. Like, I just became a grandma. That's like, cute. Uh-huh. 
Well, and uh, like, actually, <laughs> I know someone um, who did uh, late thirties become a grandmother. Right. And there's like, there's an older, slightly older husband involved with the, you know, as in he had a child from a previous relationship. Right. That they adopted or, or finalized like right. bio mom loft rights, basically is the right. situation. So she became a grandmother in her late thirties. Right. So it was literally like the the is if she had been eighteen and had a child and exactly eighteen years later became a grandmother. Right. Like 36, she was grandma. Um, right. I'll tell you right now, her personally, her health right. like, was not average for a 36-year-old. Right. Um, so even though she became a grandmother earlier, and right. you'd expect that, wow, you're going to be a really, you know, like, yeah, grandma... Right. Um, because you're going to have all this energy and be able to run and chase the kid because you're basically, basically right. young enough to still be having like a newborn pop out of you. Granted, there's some medical reasons why that couldn't happen. But you're young enough, you could still like recreate the situation that, that I had, right. which is mom's having a baby, my sister's having a baby. <laughs> we almost could have waved at each other from like the bassinets in the hospital right um you know like it was close yeah um like they tried to put I, your sister in the wheelchair well yeah that actually happened mom went into labor mom like here's the thing though you gotta understand mom was locked in on i have four children I am not having any more. Right. Tie my tubes. Right. I, and so that occurred, and mom was locked in, laser precision on I will never be, I will never have another child. I cannot have another child. It is impossible for me to have another child. It will not happen, cannot happen. Like, so mom got pregnant. And nowhere in her brain did anything that was going on mm-hmm. indicate to her, who had four children and had been through this four times. Right. I think I'm pregnant. Right. Mom thought she was going through menopause because that was the only logical thing that could occur to her. Right. So she went to the doctor basically to get diagnosed and put on hormones. Right. Because apparently her menopause was not starting well. Right. Because she was, you know, like moody, severely moody. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, eating all the, like dieting, but gaining weight, Mm -hmm. like craving food all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, again, because mom was had her tubes tied, like, I, I will safely say there were moments, like, I think mom found out she was pregnant, and then after she went through the initial, like, shock, right. 
I think mom almost had a breakdown. Right. Like it might have been touch and go for a little bit. And some of that may have been pregnancy hormones that, that were piling on that. Right. Because you got to remember this was early 80s and we were just finding out and starting to understand that right. like smoking during pregnancy is a really bad idea. Um, alcohol during pregnancy is a really right. bad idea. Um, you know, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. And like, God knows that was probably like half of the things mom ate. So, and no, like, cause mom was five months pregnant with me before she found out, I think, or something like that. It was like five months. Right. I had no clue. Um, so mom shows up to uh, like, goes into labor with me. She's barely noticeable. Right. Like she basically looked, uh, and this is going to be rude and please forgive me a little. She basically looked like a middle-aged woman going through middle-aged spread, mm -hmm. you know, and, and had put on some weight, maybe drank too much, probably ought to not have that third slice of cheesecake. Um, right. you know, like that was where mom was with the pregnancy. Right. In labor. Right. And then heaven help my sister. Like I like she was clearly pregnant. Like right. there was no question was my sister pregnant. She was only about uh well she was three months away from her due date. Right. So and again, mom's in her mid forties. They they put my sister in the wheelchair and started off down the hall and left mom standing there in active delivery. Yeah. Poor mom. <laughs> Anyhow. So yeah, there so go the the poll is up. You can vote on aceandnight.com. Um the Ace and Knight's YouTube page on whether or not you think that new grandma's the asshole for checking on the, her child first before checking the grandbaby. Well, I well actually, I think that Emma the asshole is technically for implying that uh, the mother-in-law was a child themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think she is. I'm like not the asshole. That's where I'm at. Right. To her face. Oh yeah, I think she deserved it. Like she bought into. It. Yeah. Like mama-in-law dug her grave. Exactly. All right, so let's hop over to Polly Advice. You've got some stuff to say about this one, too. All righty. What are things you would discuss and make clear before moving in with a partner and Meta? There is a plan for me to move in with my partner and Meta around December-ish. I've met my Meta, and we've even hung out one-on-one uh, -on -one before to get coffee. We never got super close, but I can definitely see us getting along and at least being casual friends. We have a lot in common. All of us kind of struggle with cleaning, and but I seem to be the best at it. My partner will do the cooking. How do we split bills and rent costs then? How should we discuss alone time or date nights? What are important things to bring up and figure out before? My partner and Meta have been living together for several years at this point because they've known each other since high school, whereas I met my partner after. They seem to already kind of have a flow of living together. It's a three-bedroom house, so we'll each have our own bedroom. 
but I can still sleep with my partner because we both love cuddling while my metal doesn't. I really want things to go well for us. Oh, my sweet summer child. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, do we have any idea how old they are? Because I feel like this is someone in their 20s. We don't. Their KK was less than 30 days ago. Okay. Alrighty. So we have no idea. Alrighty. I was looking to see real quick because I just have a feeling like they're in their 20s. Right. Because the level of questions they're asking suggests, you've, one, that you've really, truly never done this before. Right. Um, and like, there's a way serious lack of experience. You're very open. You're very starting on the right page. I'll give you that. Mm -hmm. Um, but your questions are kind of tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's a lot that goes into this. Um, like you've identified some places where things need to split at and like, I, I think maybe the cleaning, you, you, you're going to resent that. Right. Like, I, I think you need to go back and revisit that and figure out how to make that a community chore. Right. That you're all doing together. Yeah. Because you're going to resent that. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to do all the cooking because then you can transfer that into, you know, like dividing up who does the dishes and puts them away and all that. Right. So, like, always being the one to cook isn't that big a deal. Um, but I'll tell you right now, like, especially when you have people that struggle to clean, mm -hmm. always being the one to clean, you're going to resent that. You yep. will resent that. Like, the, yep. you will just come to resent it. Right. Um, that would be my first warning on that. Right. Now, how do we split the bills and rent cost them? Um, there's a couple of models for that. Mm -hmm. Um, one is the one third, one third, one third. And that really truly can work if you're all roughly about the same income. Right. Um, because typically people are not going to get super upset about you make $200 more a year than me. And you make $50 more a year than me um, because the numbers are so close. Right. You know, or, or like whatever, like, or you have more. But really, you may want to take door number two, especially if you already know there's like major income disparity, mm -hmm. which is to wait and W-E-I-G-H-T. Um, the portion, the, the proportions mm -hmm. based on income. Right. So add up your total household income, then take all of your total household bills and then divide that out by what percentage each individual has of that total income. Right. So here's how that works. If you have one partner in a three-partner situation that makes um, 100000 a year, mm 
Right. Or well, let's go with a different number. Um, sorry, I have to work this out in my head. And I probably just need Excel and make it easier. Um, so I, because I really, I think this is one of the bigger questions and often leads to the bigger fight. So if we're talking about a total household income of 150000 a year, mm -hmm. if each of you were making 50000 a year, you would each pay one third. Or thereabouts. Now, if you have one person making seventy-five thousand, um, another person making twenty-five thousand, and the other person making fifty thousand, um, you start running into issues when you thirty, because that person making twenty-five thousand dollars. Is right. going to really, it, it's going to eat up a huge proportion of their income for mm -hmm. one third of everything. Right. So they're not going to have money to go do fun stuff. They're not going to have money to, to be like, they're not getting any benefits. Right. All they're doing is paying the bills. Right. Um, then the person making $75,000 is kind of living cheap. Right. Um, so, if you look at it proportionally mm -hmm. um, and, and take that 75,000 mm -hmm. oh, equals that divided, oh, I did that backwards. One second. Let me get these done real quick. Um, because I'm using Excel to very quickly break up the proportionalities. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that this uh, that all right so if we break that down that um $150,000 total household income if one person is making 75,000 one person is making 25,000 and one person is making 50,000 mm -hmm. your percentages would be 50% to the person that's making $75,000 a year Right. 0.16 repeating um, for the person making, so 16%, 16.666666% uh, to the person making 25000 a year. And 33 and a third percentage, like re three repeating, to the person making 50000 a year. So right. the person making $50,000 a year pays one third of the bills person making $75,000 a year pays half of the bill. And right. the person making $25,000 a year pays 16.66666% of the bill. Right. And that means that as in terms of income, right. you are paying your fair share. It impacts each of you equally. Right. So you all have reasonable equity in your household expenses and no one person is having to foot a lion's share that that significantly financially impacts them. Right. That is generally going to be your least argument-inducing option. Right. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, and then... So work out the math, figure out what that means in terms of the bills, right. um, and go on with 
that. Um, yay for the three-bedroom house for three partners or for three people uh, in this relationship, one for each. Um, uh, and yeah, just be careful with that always sleeping with your partner because you both love cuddling. Yeah. Um, because even though your other partner doesn't want to, or the other partner, your meta doesn't want to do that with your partner, right. um, doesn't mean you can't also inadvertently create some animosity there. Right. Because it can, like, weirden, I, I, I don't know, there's a good word for this. It can make things weird. Let's just go right. Um, and then as for the rest, um, I think you really have to uh, still remember to keep planning your time. Right. Like, if you don't have Google Calendar set up yet, you really need to set up Google Calendar. Right. Um, I, I think as you're moving in, you also need to focus on respecting routines that they already have. And conversely, they need to look at, will these routines continue to work? with a new person in the house right um and that can cover everything from like when people take showers um you know like what they need in the mornings like any couple relationship and any relationship in general creates patterns that work for them mm -hmm. um it can sometimes become a problem when you add someone that it can actually just shatter all of that. And that right. can be destabilizing both for the person coming in and for the people that were already physically present. Right. Um, and that can create a lot of arguing. So you need to be really aware of like, they need to be really aware of what they were already doing in a two-person household. And you need to be voicing yourself and keeping track of things that aren't working for you. And right. you're going to have to sit down and work those out. And like, okay, right. how do we make this all synchronized? Right. And then if there are future partners, mm -hmm. you're going to have to do it again and keep doing it. Right. And keep, you know, communicating and communicating and communicating. And it is perfectly okay to say that, you know, I asked for this thing, mm -hmm. but that didn't actually turn into the thing I wanted it to be. Right. It's not helping me. Let's right. try something different. Right. Um, because I've also seen that happen is people will ask for, you know, so to speak, an accommodation. Because mm -hmm. it is what it is. It's an accommodation. Right. Like, this is what you're doing, and this is what I need. So I'm asking you to do something different. Um, right. And then sometimes get stuck because they feel like, well, my partner's, or, you know, my partner and my meta did this mm -hmm. for me after I asked for it. And now that doesn't work. Right. But I can't say anything because they did it. And now I just have to live with it. No, you don't. Right. No, you don't. 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 You can go retalk it and be like, you know, I asked for that. Not really apparently what I needed. Not where I needed to be headed to. Mm -hmm. 
I think probably the biggest thing would be be careful with agreements in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of wait till you iron things out from living together if you're right. going to go into like any kind of agreement situations. Right. Like, just... And I also recommend stayovers. Okay. Yeah. You know, spending time over. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Before you move in together, yes. Yeah. Because yeah. you've got a few months to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you, you might want to try spending a weekend, spending a week. If you can, right. um, and just see how it goes when you have the right. ability to escape, and like keep track of the things that you're biting your tongue on, mm-hmm. and then when you go home, write those down or, or keep track of them when you calm down. Right, because some of these you're you're really gonna uh, I, mm, not in that moment. But have a list and be prepared. And that's on both sides of things right. that, like, you know, that didn't really work for me. Right. So you have a place to start. Right. If that's at all possible, I, I don't know how distance split you guys be. Right. You know, and figuring it out. But, yeah. What works, um, what doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and keep an emotional, like, try to keep a check on, an, on like, just don't blow up. Right. But if you're having the feeling, like, just don't blow up, like, write it down. Write right. it out. Um, and then talk about it when you can do so calm. Um, right. And then I had another one to go with that. And I forget what that was. Because um, it pleaded in and then it blew out. Well, my other one, uh, and this is more so for the incoming, um, the one that's already established, is establish your territory. Oh, and I think that was kind of it, is just because this has already been their home. Right. Doesn't mean that you, you're supposed to ever feel in the situation right. like you're a guest. Right. Like that you've been graciously allowed to move in and you've been given the space of a bedroom and that you just have to tolerate everything because this is their home. Right. If you can't lock on early on and be like, nope, my home too, this is one third mine. Right. At least a weighted third of it is mine. Right. Um, then you're going to have problems. Right. And it's ultimately all going to send back to this isn't my home. Yeah. And you're going to have anxiety because this isn't your home. You're an extended stay guest that just doesn't leave. Right. And that's going to be on both sides. Right. And it needs to also be like everywhere. Meaning, you know, 
Y'all each have decided your rooms. You need to decide your bathrooms. You need to decide where your working spaces are. You know, you know, you're talking about who's cleaning, who's cooking. Well, who else is doing everything else? Yeah. Like who's doing the yard? Who's grabbing the mail? Oh, and that's an important one. Who's grabbing the mail? Who's running to the bank? Who's running errands? Who's picking up prescriptions? Who's doing the grocery shopping? Right. Who's, who's managing the communication with oh. the bills? Oh, God. And you want to start a war. Who is parking where? Right. Who is parking where? Because if you're talking about a traditional house, right. most of those are two cars. So someone's parking in the driveway. Or you're all parking in the driveway, and sometimes that's the easier solution. Everyone park in the yeah. driveway. We don't fight over the garage. The garage can become a different space. Right. So, no, like, but I have seen relationships where right. that became an issue, is who right. parked where. Yeah. And it sounds so silly and stupid, but you will not believe the amount of animosity... Because it, it really is like a dorm roommate situation right. to some degree. Right. Is that like you are sharing a communal space and some of the littlest, stupidest things will cause the mm-hmm. biggest fucking arguments. Because, oh my God, that's annoying. It's annoying to get stuck in the driveway and not be able to leave. Right. And like, you know, because I will say I've had that that specific moment um, in a roommate situation mm-hmm. where I don't want to go bother. Right. Like, because I, I effectively ended up in that situation. I kind of was an extended stay guest for like a month. Um, that's a longer story that we don't need to go into. But... Like, if they're having couple time, mm-hmm. and I want to go out, and, you know, I'm at the top of the driveway, and one of them pulled in behind me, right? I'm trapped. Right. Like, you got to come up with a plan for where, who parks where. Right. And when, and why. And who can grab whose keys. Yeah. And keeping keys accessible sometimes. Right. So that, like, I don't have to go interrupt you to, like, either get your keys or move or, or to ask you to move your car. Right. I, I just can take care of this and get myself out of the driveway. Right. Ooh, another big one. Another big one to talk about is who can actually drive. Not just move, but drive. Yeah each other's cars because some people are like i don't care you just whatever right um you know i grab a set of keys and like whatever cars and you know the easiest to get out of the driveway is the one i take other people are like this is my car this is my one and only car i love my car do not touch my car don't look at my car don't think about my car God, how you keep your cars because we have had this issue. (laughs) I thought I would never have to explain this issue. You've had Uh, okay. (laughs) You know, and it's like, will you please 
reset my seat when you get out of the car. Now, keep in mind, we're not talking about the driver's seat. No. Driver's seat's gone. Yeah. I don't move the driver's seat. I just, I, I leave it because every time I move it, it goes back to somewhere less comfortable than before. <laughs> so I've just accepted the driver's seat is where the driver's seat is. And I'm just, I deal with it. Yeah. Um, because we as drivers are not that different. Um, I mean, we have physical differences, but in terms of like adjusting a driver's seat, we're not that far off. Right. Like, it's not like my knees are touching my ears and like, I don't know how to reach around behind my butt to to Mm -hmm. touch the steering wheel. Like, it's not that bad. Um, it's not like I'm like six foot five and he is five two. Like, we're pretty similar. In that regard, um, it becomes a much bigger problem, however, if uh, you and your partner and your meta are significantly, right. significantly physically different. Like, my biggest problem right. is you like the steering wheel all the way down. Mm-hmm. I like the steering wheel all the way up. Right. That's our biggest difference. Um, but that's fine. We can do that. Um, yeah. And it's not that big of a, like, no one gets mad. Right. Um, now the passenger seat and what, <laughs> okay, he, my... yeah. he likes to ride in a Barca lounger dad mode on mm-hmm. a Saturday afternoon. Yes. Because he's going to get in the car, pop his feet up and basically take a nap. Or get on my phone and start working, but I'm reclined. Either which way you're, you are. You want to be here, mm-hmm. all the way back, as far as the seat will go, leaned back. Yes. Like, just hand him a newspaper, wait for it to fall to his chest, and right. drool mode. Right. I love my great nephew. And I shouldn't say this, and he can smack me the next time he sees me, if he sees this. Um... It's just adorable mm-hmm. when everyone, at li- him included, but especially him, because he's like 5'4". Right. And he gets in. <laughs> and if you've seen the TikTok video where the little dude in the onesie is like, uppies, uppies, uppies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a seated version of that. Mm-hmm. Like this poor child. <laughs> right. It's like his feet don't touch the floor. He is right. just right. help me. Uh, turtle on his back when he gets in the car like that. Right. Um, your mother is almost at the same in the same boat. Like she gets in and screams right. as she falls ah, into the seat. Yeah. Um. So everyone literally ends up adjusting that seat. But and get I back. Never know. I do my best to try to remember, but honestly, sometimes after I drive back, I don't. I know. I don't. Um, and I think my biggest problem with that uh-huh. is for so many years, I did not have a routine passenger in a car. Uh-huh. Or more specifically, I only had one routine passenger in a car. 
Mm-hmm. Like there were never other people that got in the car with me. Right. So touching the seat wasn't a requirement. The seat is where the seat is, where the seat is, where the seat is. Right. Like it, I, I never had to think about it unless I needed to, for some reason, move the passenger seat forward to put something in, which almost. Yeah. And then I had two cars that were two doors Mm -hmm. and the seat eternally moved. Right. Like it didn't matter. Like it didn't matter where you wanted the seat. It got moved the minute anything had to go in or out of the back seat. So did the driver's seat. Right. Because you just could not even. Right. With that car. Well, both those cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so, no. You know. It's an adjustment. Yeah. And, you know, how we keep our cars are totally different. I am a car minimalist. Did it come bolted on from the factory? Uh-huh. And I am, this is the car. I may be in it for a week. I need to have all my supplies with me. This car brought to you in part by Walmart. <laughs> like, he, he basically could have a dry goods store is his definition of perfectly drivable vehicle is like i I swear to god if if it were a thing he would have like shelves with canned goods like i feel like i just gave him an idea (laughs) but he would have shelves with cans like and a little portable stove and a fold-down sink and like he could live there like, no officer, he's not missing. He right. just decided randomly, he saw a pretty spot and decided to live there for a week. Yeah. Like, I don't know. He had everything he needed when he left the house to be gone for a week. Right. Like, did he go off-road? I don't know. Did he decide to go camping? I don't know. Is he in the state of West Virginia? I don't know. Like, he'll be home eventually. Right. Like, I'll keep checking the platforms for signs of life. Like, I'll sit down at his computer and use the saved login and figure out if he's logged in in the past, like, 72 hours. Right. Oh, he has? He's alive? Awesome. Log back out. Right. But, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Because I have stuff to go swimming. I have stuff to go camping. I have, if it's season, the vending booth is in there. My umbrellas are in there. My canes are in there. My sunscreen is in there. My freshen me up supplies are in there. There's a reason. There's a a washer. There may be a dishwasher. Um, There's television and a VCR. No, that's what the tablet's for. But she, like, you put everything in the car. And it's not that I don't understand it. I do. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Because my thought always was, and has been since first vehicle, it did not help. My father was in the, it was it bolted on from the factory? <laughs> no. Doesn't live there. Take it with you when you leave. 
Right. Um, was his car theory. Right. Um, so I like that's how I grew up. That's what I dealt with. That's what I lived with. And he built in stuff on vehicles, let me point out. So everything had to have a home and a frame, and then you couldn't see it. Right. What is that? Like he created a custom toolkit for our Ford Bronco right. that would sit under the carpet. Ooh, that would be nice. Yeah, it was it, like it was cool. So you couldn't tell there was a full toolkit back there, but you right. lift the little piece of carpet up in the back um, space. And, like, there's a whole right. toolkit right. that he, like, hand-cut right. out of, like, um, oh, it's not styrofoam. It's the, uh, the, the hard plastic bubbly stuff. Right. Like, it, this literally lasts forever. Like, y'all think styrofoam lasts forever? This is the unbreakable version. Um, like, he sat there and used a hot knife and cut out the shape of each tool. Mm-hmm. So that they all laid in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see what the poll says. All right. Am I the asshole? You are not the asshole this week. Woohoo! Not the asshole. Love it. Love it. Love it. Right. Now, I'm going to do something different. And I'm going to start doing this on shows. So if you're listening to the podcast, look down there. You've got to poll yourself. You get to vote Joe the asshole. And if he wins the asshole for more than a month, then he gets to announce that he's the asshole for the podcast. I don't think I like this game. It's fun. All right, honey. Let's go ahead and roll that beautiful, beautiful Patreon. Awesome. So, of course, we want to thank Beverly Walker, Mika G, Kathy, Mary Winfield, Brenda, Shannon C, Shannon D, Lady Gwendolyn, Charles Shaw, Tracy Van, Caitlin Bell, and Devin. If you'd like to learn more about us, the show, or how you, too, can become a Patreon sponsor and receive all the wonderful benefits our baristas receive, please visit us at pcsbnetwork.com. Yep. All right, guys. We will see you on Sunday for Psyche the Plants at 8 p.m. And with that all, good night. Good night.